inspired a thousand or a million different things in the Bible. And he chose to inspire what we're going to look at today because he has something that he wants to say to you. So listen now to God's word. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. This is God's word. <coughs> If today, this afternoon, say, you got a phone call from a doctor who said that you were, you've been diagnosed with cancer and you had six months to live, what would you do? It's incurable, it's inoperable, there's nothing that can be done. The only thing that you know for sure is that you have six months to live. How would you spend those six months? How would the six months that you are about to live be different from the six months that you just finished living? Most people would consider their family, that their dependents, their friends. Uh, for some, news of six months to live would be a bucket list. Right? A bucket list that a lot of people have, a lot of people use. I did some research on the top things that are in all of the bucket lists across all of the world. Right? And they're pretty similar. Um, the top bucket list items tend to be travel. So I want to travel uh, another part of the country, the world, travel to see something like a volcano, something like that, or new experiences, skiing, snorkeling, uh, climbing a mountain, karaoke, experiencing a sunrise, or learning something new. And then volunteering. I want to meet and meet. I want to serve in a way to make a difference in someone else's life. Some people uh, on their bucket list say they want to encourage someone. They want to tell someone else how they really feel. Right? How they really feel before it's too late. Others say, I want to be a mentor to someone before I die. Uh, and still others pursue reconciliation with those last six months. Um, getting closure on past disappointments. When you get news that you have six months to live, everything stops, and we ask ourselves some questions, don't we? We ask ourselves, what's really important? I mean, what's really important? What is life really all about? I think there'd be some things that you hold on to more tightly, and then there's other things that you're currently holding on to tightly that you would let go of, right? So in these verses in 2 Timothy, we actually see Paul's bucket list. It is a situation Paul is in. He knows he's going to die soon. He knows it could be about six months. It could be longer. Verse 9 shows that he thinks he has time to see Timothy, but Timothy's got to hurry in order to make sure that happens. And it's funny because in these letters, in the letters of the New Testament, at the end of each letter, there are 
verses like this, where there's a shift. Uh, at the beginning of the letters, and through most of it, there's teaching, there's exhortation, there's commandments, there's insight, right? There's gospel preaching that goes on. But then these letters end with stuff like this, right? And for so many people, they think that these verses are scrolling. They're ancient details that don't matter today. It's not all the teaching and the instruction, so people run over them quickly if they read them at all. And very few people ever stop to think about what they mean and how they might apply to our lives today. And so I'm excited. I'm excited for the next four weeks, we're actually going to see how these verses, from verse 9 all the way to the end of, the, uh, end of this chapter, the end of this letter, is going to teach us how to live a legacy. They're going to teach us how to live a legacy. These verses show how Paul lived out his own teaching. Okay, up to this point, this letter has been God-inspired word and verses, and so and these verses are God's word becoming flesh. Okay, still inspired, but this is now how Paul, his life expresses his own teaching. Okay, I think most of us have been around, have been alive for any amount of time. You've been to a place where you've heard a speaker speak who was inspiring. Right, inspired, encouraging, taught you something, and you left feeling, wow, that was amazing. Well, after, like, think about it. So, what, what would happen if you heard the person speak, and then afterward, you were able to like, walk off stage with them and spend the rest of the day with them? Right? What if they were genuine people? Right, you actually lived out the inspiration that they gave you. Like you could actually look at it in their actual life. And you could watch them interact with the people, watch them respond today, and you would add something substantial, wouldn't you? That's what these verses do for us. Paul's life is unfolding before us. Again, he knows he has six months to live, and these are his last words and actions that we have recorded anyway. So as we study these four verses today, we're actually going to see Paul's bucket list. And we're going to have a conversation with his list to see how thinking about our future will affect the way that we live in the present. Okay, so the first thing that we're going to see, this is point one in your outline. Paul shows us how to end life well. So want to take notes, write that down. Paul shows us in these verses how to end life well. Uh, this is Paul's bucket list. Got four things here on it. First, disciple Timothy. So verses 9 and 10. He tells Timothy, look, do your best to come to me soon. Right? So Paul's not done discipling Timothy. After all they've been through, he wants to spend a portion of the next six months making sure he continues to disciple Timothy. So warn Timothy in verse 10 about Demas. Right? Well then sec- second, Paul wants to prepare the next leaders. In verses 10 through 12, Crescens, Titus, Titus, Mark, Tychicus, these verses, and throughout this passage, Paul mentions people and places that span the Roman Empire. And these are the next generation of leaders that Paul is making sure are in place. And then third, Paul wants to make sure that on his bucket list is reconciled. It is man to reconcile. Verse 11. And this is especially worth zooming in for a moment. Uh, because in Acts 15, verse 36, this is early on in Paul's ministry, um, he had an interaction with Mark that was really negative. Okay? It says there that there was a conflict 
that's in the leadership because of Mark. Mark was a Jew, okay? He was actually the Apostle Peter's cousin. Okay, some people think that Mark was the scribe who actually wrote Peter's gospel, and that Mark's gospel is actually dictated by Peter, although that's another story. But Mark and Peter were cousins. And it seems from what we see in Acts 15 that Mark, as a Jew, had trouble with non-Jewish people becoming Christians. Okay? He actually abandoned Paul's ministry because of this. And in Acts 15, 36, Paul didn't want to let Mark back into his ministry because of their previous conflict. And so Paul and Barnabas get into a sharp disagreement, is the phrase that's used. Let me just show you a verse. In Acts 15, verses 37 to 39, it says, Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. This is the same Mark that Paul refers to in 2 Timothy. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So Paul's ministering, Paul's working, Paul's doing his stuff, and Mark is unwilling to go. And so Mark left. When they were in Pamphylia, Mark deserted them. Okay? Mark deserted them. And so now in chapter 15, that was chapter 12, chapter 15, when Mark's back on the scene, Paul's like, no, forget it. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? So Paul says, no. Well, then it goes on. It goes on, and there arose, verse 39, a sharp disagreement. So that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Okay, so back to Paul's bucket list. Here we see that there's been reconciliation. Paul's just reconciled with Mark, but he asks for Mark, and he affirms Mark and his gifts. He says that Mark is very useful for ministry. In verse 11. So before, Paul didn't want Mark because he's a hindrance in ministry, but now we see that things have changed. And so Paul, at the end of his life, he's making sure that he's burying the hatchet. He's making sure he's worked to resolve this conflict and to be reconciled. And then fourth on Paul's bucket list is this principle of keep learning and writing. This is verse 13. Right? Paul says there, he asked Timothy to bring the books and above all the parchments. And so, think about this. Even though Paul is dying, even though he knows that the end is near, even though he knows he's about to meet Jesus face to face, Paul is committed to knowing Jesus as well as he possibly can for the needs. So even up to the end, even up to the end, Paul never ever stops learning. He's got this insatiable thirst to learn more and more about God. And it's possible that the parchments that Paul asks for is because maybe he wants to continue to write letters. This may be letter writing for Paul. So he wants to end his life pouring out all that God has given, has given him to give to others. And so, so this is Paul's bucket list. And, and just to simplify it a little bit so that it also applies more directly to us, um, I want us to, to look at his list like this. So Paul, this is Paul's bucket list applied to us. Disciple others, reconcile, and keep learning. Okay, because preparing leaders, that's discipleship. Writing is also discipleship. So we've got disciple others, reconcile, and keep learning. This is how Paul spent the rest of his life. These are the things that were most important to him in 
months or so of his life. This is how Paul ended his life well. He says he finished the race. He said that last week, but he's still running. Right? He says, I finished the race. In verse 8, I fought the good fight. I'm done. My inheritance is sure. And yet here we see he's still running. He is still fighting. He's not stopping. He's not retiring from God's work. He's not giving up. This is how he wants to end. Disciple, learning, reconciling. This is the legacy of his leaving. Friends, Paul would say, this is life. This is real life. It's owning your call to disciple others all the way to the end. Right? This calls to us to live now as though we only have six months to live. Because how your life now and your life impacts others. What you do matters. And so when you see Paul's list, what do you think? What do you think? Are you inspired? You see this as an inspiring reminder of what's really important in life? What's really important in your life? Do you want to spend the rest of your days with these priorities? I think some people do. I think some people are committed that no matter what Paul's doing, that's a good example for us. And so I'm going to do whatever Paul's doing. But I think others feel sort of condemned a little bit by Paul. Still others might feel hopeless because when they look at this list, they don't want these things. And so I want to talk about this in our second point. In our second point, this is why we struggle with Paul's love. I just want to have an honest discussion that not all the time when we read things in the Bible does our heart get lifted up and we feel like we're floating now with this new perspective on it. And sometimes we look at Paul's bucket list, for instance, and we think, no, I don't really want to do that. And I think some of us struggle with this kind of bucket list for legitimate reasons. Right? Reasons that actually need to be thought through and wrestled through. Um, some people think, look, when I picture this, this life of discipling others, of reconciling, of learning, yeah, this sounds exhausting. Or, this sounds like it's going to make me into someone who's going to look socially awkward. But if this is all that I'm ever going to be doing now, I, I kind of, I have a caricature in my mind of what people like that look like, and I'm not really excited about looking that way. If this is my bucket list, reconciling, discipling, and learning, then this is going to make me completely rigid in my life. And I'm not going to do anything. And I think to these concerns, I want to remind you, and I think Paul will remind us all, that God's pattern for living is work and rest. Okay? That's the way God's built the world. That's his design for us. Okay, remember that God does not ask us to sprint every day for the rest of our lives. And that's not God's desire. Even God himself worked and then he rested. And this was a set a pattern for us to rescue us and save us from workaholism or even from ministry-aholism. Okay? There are people who seem to be all about discipling, reconciling, and learning, and they never do anything else. And they are socially awkward. Um, 
think of someone like that that I know of our church. I actually can't think of anybody. So if these are your excuses or your concerns, then I actually want to hear from you. And I do want to have a deeper conversation. Like Paul's design, or Paul's list here um, is that we, it includes, it's in the bigger picture, that God's desire is that you both run and rest. Right? You run the race, but you also rest. It's not a sprint. Right? It's a marathon. It's a lifelong journey down a path that includes rest, that includes celebration, that includes vacation, that includes Sabbath. Right? And so... Paul's list isn't designed to make you into someone else. It's designed so that you would pursue God's purposes for your life. Okay, that's the design. It's about you being the best version of who you are. Right? And so Christians, I think Christians can be honest about their goals and their purposes and their sanctified bucket lists without being weird. Okay? If you have a conviction, people typically respect your convictions if you're friendly. Okay. And so, uh, so that sort of addresses some of the concerns that I think are legitimate concerns about what this would look like to chase after. But I think there's another set of reasons that we need to discuss. Uh, for most of us, the struggles that we have with Paul's bucket list, they aren't so clean. Okay, the reasons that some of us struggle with Paul's bucket list, I think can be summed up with one line from verse 10. It says, Demas was in love with this present world. And he's deserted. <clears throat> I think for most of us, we desert Paul's bucket list because we are in love with this present world. Now, look, don't misunderstand. The Bible actually says that God loves the world. The Bible says that he loves it so much that he's not willing to give up on it. In fact, uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so in one respect, God loves the world. And so what's wrong with Demas? Demas is just loving the world like God does, right? Well, no. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, help us understand what Paul means in our verse. Is this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And here's the key. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. So here we see Demas's and our problem. There is a way that the world operates, and it's opposed to God. Okay, this verse lists three things. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so the desires of the flesh, like these can be like sexual desires, these can be desires for food, these can be desires for I mean, just about anything, right? And it's, it's extreme desire. Um, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the desires of the eyes, this is, uh, this is like greed. It's seeing things and wanting what you can see. It's the desire to see it and want it. Um, and then the pride of life, this is kind of self-explanatory. It's more of the arrogance, like that I want the world to revolve around me. I want to be looked at as the best. I want to have the best stuff. I want to have the most friends. I 
whatever it is, it's the pride of life, where we are wanting to be higher than we are. These are elements of our culture that draw us away from God. Because when we want these things more than God, that's in verse 10, it's to be in love with this present world. Okay, so, when we look at Paul's bucket list again, it's the we see Paul's bucket list, often we don't want to pursue these things because we want other things. There's other stuff that we want, and so we spend our time, our energy, and our money uh, pursuing these things. So many people say, I have other things that are important to me, and I don't want those things that interfere with. And so if these things are going to interfere with what I want, but I'm just going to dismiss these things or hold it on to life or uh, I'm just going to come to church and show up on Sunday but not really do much more than it. There are people who look at this life, this life of God's purposes, and they say, look, that doesn't sound fun to me. Paul's bucket list will not make me happiness. Uh, this way seems hard, boring, and it isolates me from enjoyment. I think a lot of us believe that if we were to commit to the bucket list that Paul has, that we think that we would miss out. I think a lot of us feel like, look, I've got only one life to live, and I don't want to waste it. I think there are two main lies that underlie us misusing our time and being in love with this present world. That there are two lies that we get sucked into believing uh, that cause us to be dismissive of the things that God wants. And uh, we say that these two lies are First, we believe that this life is all there is. There are pleasures in this life, but if I don't experience them now, I will never get to experience them. And so I have to pursue them. We think that this life is all that there is. And whether we would ever say that, we sometimes live as though we think that's true. And then second, this is a little bit more basic, but sometimes more challenging, is that look, I cannot trust God. Paul knows that the 
desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, all those, those things are passing away. He knows that sensuality, that greed, that pride, those things are passing away. And that if you pursue those things, you will end up squeezing tighter and tighter in on a stick like a handful of sand. Those things are not going to last, but his list will. Paul believes at the core of his being that Jesus is going to come back. And that Jesus is going to bring a new heavens and a new earth. When you believe in Jesus, part of your inheritance is the chance to live in a perfect heaven and earth forever. And that's part of the blessings that come with trusting in Jesus. If you are a Christian, that is part of your inheritance. And Paul had this bucket list because he was convinced that the core of his being that Jesus had a new heavens and new earth waiting for him. Stop and think about your own bucket list. Is exploring on your bucket list? Well, the gospel says that you will have the rest of eternity to explore every inch of the glory. You think about that. The gospel says that you will have the rest of eternity to explore every inch of the globe. Just wait. Just wait. You have no idea. Is skydiving on your bucket list? Right? Skydiving on your bucket list? In the new heavens and the new earth, you will be able to fly.
because he knew that what was coming was a world without end. Not just going to be on the cloud singing the Hallelujah chorus. Uh, we are going to be in a new heavens and a new earth that has been renovated and perfected to manifest the full glory of God in ways that we have no idea. And because Paul knew this, because Paul knew what was going to last forever, he was able to pursue what was most important. Now, how did Paul know this? How did Paul know this to the core of his being leave this legacy for Timothy and for us? Well, he knew this because he received this legacy from Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, we see this glorious passage talking about Jesus. It says, have this mind, this is verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So this said, think like Jesus thought. Let me tell you how Jesus thought. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count the quality of God a thing to be grasped. So the idea here is Jesus was God, and yet he didn't exploit his equality of God for his own gain. But instead, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so Jesus came not to serve himself. Jesus came not to get accolades, not to get worship, not to be treated as God, but Jesus came as a servant. Jesus came with a desire to serve and to save the world. Jesus came with a desire to empty himself. Right? He gave up everything and acted like a servant from the day he was born all the way to the day he died. He lived and he died as an act of service to the world, to you. To you. And because he did all this, verse 9, Philippians 2 goes on to say, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so where does Paul get the confidence that if he lives for what's important, everything else will take care of? Where does Paul get the confidence to have a bucket list that doesn't include him living as though this life is all there is? It's because he saw Jesus risen from the dead. He saw Jesus risen from the dead. He saw, he knows that there is life beyond the grave. He knows that there is a world without end that's coming. And Paul says, you know what? I'm going to live today as though that's true. Friends, that's faith. That's what faith is. It's believing in the things that we hope for. And it was bound, his his faith and his hope was bound rock solid in the resurrection of Jesus. Paul knows that just as Jesus humbled himself in this life and was exalted in the next, 
So Paul knew if he humbled himself in this life, God would exalt him in the next. And so he spent the rest of his life running, discipling others, reconciled, burying the hatchet, and learning. And this life is not all that there is. The new heavens and the new earth are coming. Jesus is coming back, and he has a reward with him to give to all who love his appearing. And the demons who might say, all who love is appearing more than they're in love with this present world. All new what was going to last forever. And so he shows us in our fourth point, this is how we live the legacy. This is how we live the legacy. In the same way that Paul lived his life as though God was going to take care of his Jesus. So we need to exercise faith. Okay? I think faith in Jesus doesn't just mean that if somebody says, the Lord lives for you, you say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay? Exercising faith means that right now you need to believe what Jesus says. Right? You need to you can be welcomed into this reality that there is something coming where God will meet not just your, your needs, but He will meet and exceed all of the wildest dreams. He has no idea what God has in store for you. You can't even conceive of what God has in store for you. And exercising faith means living for the world without it. <coughs> It means living because that world is, is real by not living today as though this is the only world. So we see, if we commit to this, think about this. If you commit to discipling others, what would your life look like? It would look like you being committed not just to walk the path that leads to eternity, but it would mean that you're walking this path, helping other people on this, to get on the same road and to stay on the same road that leads to eternity. How will it be if on the last day there are people who are standing there with you, loving Jesus because you are part of their life? disciples, your efforts to help other people grow spiritually. And it could be just that you might not have all the answers in the world, it doesn't matter. Like even if it's just literally saying to someone else, hey, can we meet regularly so that we can together help each other follow Jesus? Everyone can do that. Because if you do that, what are you committing to? You're not going to have any answers. You're just committing to following Jesus and do whatever you can to help them. Every hour that you invest discipling others will bear fruit forever. Will bear fruit forever. Reconcile. Reconcile. And I know how hard it can be. I know the pain that I faced 
So this, this, this goal to keep learning, this reminds us of the past forever, and it connects us to Jesus and his power and his perspective. Paul is establishing a legacy, not just in what he's talked to him at this point, but in the actions that he is taking and the things he is doing in front of Timothy from this point on. We're seeing Paul disciple. We're seeing Paul prepare leaders. We're seeing Paul be reconciled. We're seeing Paul keep continuing to learn and pour himself out. This is a legacy that Timothy is going to inherit. I feel like for us, not just as individuals, so as individuals, Paul is handing out, he's handing a baton to us. He's handing his baton that has these three things on it for us to take and begin to run. But even collectively as a church, on October 19th, we are going to be launching a new church. We are going to be going from being one side of Harvard to becoming our own particular church. And in a sense, we're being handed a legacy. Harvard was created uh, to be a church planting movement in San Diego T. Lines. And now the Harvard-wide legacy is being handed to us. And we're getting ready to take that baton to launch. Now I want you to see us as a new church. I want you to see this coming with a new vision. 
kind of a new vision. This is a chance for all of us, individually and collectively, to join the race. To join the race, disciple and reconcile and learn. This is a legacy that we can continue to live out in our city. To continue to share the message, to continue to live out the message, to continue to show the people that we love and care for the people that we work with, the people that we live near, and that there is another world coming. And we're going to live in ways that are looking forward to that world. Because when we do that, we pull that world into this world. And the future becomes part of the present. We pray, and it will happen. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you willing to take the time and want Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these words from Paul. In so many ways, we are blessed because of Paul's suffering. Because he was in prison and he wrote these letters, we get to see what was on his mind and what was in his heart. We want to take this to talk. We want to take this bucket list. Lord, we want to live for things that will last forever. Jesus, we pray that you would forgive us for not trusting you. We pray that you would forgive us for believing the lie that this world is all there is. Strengthen us, Jesus. Come and visit us. You are raised from the dead. And as sure as that is, that's how sure that we can be that all of our efforts to pursue discipleship and reconciliation and learning, all of those efforts will pay off now in the life to come. Lord Jesus, we pray that the city will be renewed. We pray that people would see that there's another way to live. We pray that you would bring both the running and the resting and the celebration deep into our hearts that we can live balanced lives and simply hold on to you tightly and hold on to the other things in our lives not as tight. To the shape and fashion us that we can be your people who can show what your world is going to be like. We pray for that world of value that we can come